How's it going across the Bifrost listeners? This is Ryan here, and I'm just dropping this in as a little bit of bonus content that I had talked about on our Facebook group a little bit ago regarding the recent Eternals movie that I was happy enough to see, I think maybe about a week ago, as this uh, recording is being posted. So this is a little bit of uh, just an off the cuff. I just wanted to sit down and talk with you all about my thoughts on the Eternals movie, but also Thor's relationship with some characters that are prominent in the Eternals movie, uh, namely the the Eternals themselves, Icarus, Circe, Ajax, you know, the whole gang. But then also. One of my favorite, lesser-known, I think underappreciated characters in Marvel Comics, and that is Dane Whitman, the Black Knight. I love Dane Whitman. Like, I think he's just uh, a really cool, uh, older-designed character, because he's obviously, you know, meant to look like an Arthurian, you know, knight in shining armor kind of hero. And he's he just a very interesting kind of out of fish out of water kind of character because he's he's carrying around a sword he's decked out in armor and he's fighting in modern times when it comes to comics so I just like kind of the silliness of the character and just kind of the the vibe that Dane Whitman gives off so I'm just gonna share some thoughts about those characters and how they relate to Thor how I've seen them show up in Thor's stories and then I'll share a little bit about the Eternals movie and hopefully this you know small little bit of bonus content is enjoyable and you can get something out of this if you've seen the movie I would love to hear your thoughts on our social media you can follow us at Mighty Thor Podcast on Instagram or go to our Facebook group and you can share your thoughts about the Eternals movie there. And you can even share your thoughts about these characters. What do you like about the Black Knight? What do you think about the Eternals? Things like that. So starting off with the Eternals and just kind of how they came to be. I mean, really, the Eternals are a creation, a brainchild of famous Marvel creator Jack Kirby. Jack Kirby uh, was known for drawing them once he came back to Marvel on his second stint with the company. And the original Eternals run didn't last all that long. And um, truthfully, I'm not sure why it was discontinued. Maybe it was a lack of sales. I know that oftentimes comics are canceled because they're they're just not selling well. And I have heard uh, criticisms in the past of Jack Kirby's writing style. Um, he's you know, very well known as an artist, but not as lauded and praised for his writing. So maybe that contributed to it. And hey, if you know why the original run of Eternals comics came to an end, I mean, please share that with me share uh share that information with us you know on social media in our groups or you know even leave a review here on this bonus episode let us know if you have some information i would really love to learn more about why the original run of eternals comics did not last as long as maybe some people thought they should have but after the original run ended 
it was there's kind of a little bit of a drought there for the Eternals when it when it came to being in titles more consistently. It wasn't until on the on the um, Mighty Thor book that Roy Thomas brought back the Eternals, and it was towards the end of let's see, it would have been issues in the 280s and I'm actually going to check on that as I'm on here these these bonus episodes are super uh un uncut and very uh very rudimentary so uh, you're just getting you're just getting Ryan talking about comics here very uh very off script here so it wasn't until 79 1979 that Roy Thomas and penciler John Buscema brought back Jack Kirby's creations, the the Eternals, and made them an integral part of the Thor book for the next 20 plus issues. They were featured in an annual and they were also featured in uh, 20, 20 or so issues of Thor as a part of something called the Celestials Saga where Thor uh, has to go throughout the entire universe and get answers to questions that Odin just won't give him. And you know, there's lots and lots of different pantheons and gods who are encountered along the journey. And then, of course, uh, the the Celestials show up and they are going to pronounce judgment on the Earth and Thor has to team up with the other pantheons and the Eternals, and he has to push back the celestial threat. So there's a lot of great artwork in there. There's a lot of great Roy Thomas storytelling, and that storyline wraps up, I believe, at issue 300 of Thor, and uh, that is written by author Mark Grunewald. So there's a lot going on in the Thor book that's related to the Celestials and the Eternals and the Deviants. And, you know, the, the late 70s, early 80s was really a heyday for Thor in interacting with the Eternals. So if you want to get a lot of good Thor storytelling with the Eternals involved, I would go to those, you know, those 280s, 290s issues of Thor and really dig into his interactions with those characters. You'll see, you know, familiar names like Icarus in there and Ajax and all, most of the ones that you've seen uh, in the movie if you've seen the movie. Um but that's that's just a great place to get going with Thor and his relationships to the to those characters. You know, in recent years, it's been a little more spotty because the Eternals haven't really had their own books. I know a few years back, oh gosh, maybe even 10 years plus back, Neil Gaiman, a very famous comic book writer, uh, wrote a Eternals series, and that's something actually... I want I want to you know go back and read. Uh, I think that would be a lot of um, a lot of fun to go and read. Um, but the I know there's a recent series of the Eternals going on right now, and I'm 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 not sure who is writing that. But you know you can never go wrong with Neil Gaiman storytelling. If you want to check out a more recent, you know a, a more recent take on the Eternals characters, 
I would definitely give the Neil Gaiman series a shot. In fact, there's a another great podcast that I just uh, you know feel feel like I need to shout out here because they just do so much great work and they actually specialize in this style of of information where they they prepare you for movies before you go to them and that is the source pages podcast um they do a great job over there at preparing people to to just go to see movies and give them some background material before they go in i know that they've done stuff for recent Marvel movies like The Eternals, uh, like Shang-Chi, like Black Widow, uh, and they actually have done some Dune stuff. So if you're, um, if you're wanting to go check out the Dune movie, they went back and they did a review of the novel all the way back in 1965. And then they've also done retrospectives of some of the recent Disney Plus shows. So if you want more information about The Eternals and where to where to learn more about them, go to, uh, the source pages podcast. They do a great job over there. And, um, I just know that you would really, uh, really value the input that they give when it comes to these comics and these characters. So the Eternals have some, have some great lineage and some great roots in Thor comics. So I would definitely go check that out. Go check out source pages. And also, Let's move a little bit over to the Black Knight uh, aspect of the Eternals movie and Dane Whitman's uh, history with Thor. So Dane Whitman, the Black Knight, is a, like I said, he's he's a a favorite of mine and he's really, um, he's really played some interesting roles in Marvel Comics. Uh, He's probably not the first, you know, He's probably not the first character that people think of when they're like, oh, who's, you know, who's, who's a great, you know, like a headliner Marvel superhero. The Black Knight is probably not one that comes uh, maybe in the top 10 or top 15, but I think he's a character that's worth checking out because his, his origin and his backstory is so unique uh, compared to a lot of the heroes that you may know, like Spider-Man and the Hulk and, uh, even our guy Thor, Captain America, Iron Man, the Black Knight definitely deserves a spot, some consideration when it comes to uh, checking out books that he's involved with, because the I think what needs to be said about him is that he's played an important role without being the headliner. So he is a uh, he's a member of the Avengers, and that is the first place that he shows up. He actually. Dane Whitman's version of the Black Knight shows up, makes his first appearance in Avengers number 47, also written by Roy Thomas, who was instrumental in bringing the Eternals into the Thor book in the late 70s and early 80s. Roy Thomas created Dane Whitman alongside John Buscema, who was the penciler at the time they were working on the Avengers book. Uh, Dane has been a part of so many different teams, you know, the Avengers, the Defenders, uh, the Heroes for Hire with, you know, with Luke Cage and Iron Fist. He just, he fits in a lot of different places 
especially, which is weird because he's a character that looks like he wouldn't fit in many places. Again, he's a, he's a guy fighting with a sword and he's wearing a suit of armor. You know, he has a flying horse, you know, if you want to see some hokey comics, I mean, goodness, the Black Knight is not short on hokey things. I mean, he has a, like a robot horse at times and that's just, you know, odd and kind of cool. Uh, but Dane really has had a up and down history, uh, in comics. Um, he, he's, I feel like he's been almost everywhere and that's why I think he's worth your consideration because when you look into the history of the, of the Black Knight, you're going to see a character who pops up in a lot of fun and interesting places. There was recently, within the last year, I believe, there was a, a limited series that Marvel put out written by Cy Spurrier called The Black Knight, The Curse of the Ebony Blade. And if you are interested in checking out a, a great five-issue limited series that breaks down some of the deeper themes of The Black Knight, I would strongly encourage you to check out the Curse of the Ebony Blade. Um, it's 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 a continuity kind of twist on why the Black Knight is the way he is, and also the deeper implications of his principal weapon, the Ebony Blade. So check out that series also. As a part of that series, in issue three of that, you get to see an awesome fight between the original Black Knight, Sir Percy of Scandia, who is the, the, uh, ancestral, um, the ancestral guardian of the Black Knight moniker. And he appears to Dane in the Curse of the Ebony Blade limited series as a ghost to, to help him out and figure out the mystery around the sword. But in that third issue, we see a flashback fight between Sir Percy of Scandia as the Black Knight and a young Thor. The fight lasts for a few pages and you get to just see a, an awesome an awesome conflict between Thor as a younger god. Uh, he, he is not yet risen to be an Avenger yet because this is like taking place in King Arthur times. But they, they, they go to town, they, they fight. Thor is, um, is trying to uncover the darkness underneath Camelot which you learn a lot more about in the rest of the limited series. And Sir Percy as the Black Knight is the defender of Camelot. And they're just, you know, they're, they're both, they're both strong willed and they both have a mission to accomplish. And the Black Knight actually gets the better of Thor in that issue uh, after he's uh, able to knock him out with the powers of the ebony blade, there's a big blast and uh, Thor is knocked unconscious. And actually, <laughs> to make the story a little bit even weirder, Merlin, the the famed wizard of Camelot, and you know, uh, you know, counselor to the uh, the legendary King Arthur, he erases Thor's mind of any memory of Camelot. So when Thor wakes back up, he has no clue that the that the Black Knight has defeated him. So I, check out that limited series, especially issue three of that limited series where Thor takes on the Black Knight. 
So we talked about kind of Thor's history with the Eternals and the Celestials and, and the, the Deviants by extension, and also some of his interactions that he's had with Dane Whitman. Uh, they were also members of the Avengers together, so they've gone on many different battles and they've gone on many different adventures together. So, you know, if you want to just check out a random issue of Avengers um, from the, you know, the 80s and the 70s, my goodness, there's a good chance that Thor and Dane will be on that team together and you might get to see them, you know, uh, kick some robot butt or some alien butt together. Um, they were teammates, you know, like I said, on the Avengers. So they've, they've definitely had their fair share of adventures together. So all of that being said, I wanted to give you my thoughts on the recent Eternals movie. So going into Eternals, I can remember uh, a few years back when they announced when they announced this movie, I was like, okay, I know very little about these characters. And that's okay, uh, because um, I'm not an expert. I, I, I would <laughs> I wouldn't I would never be so bold to say that I'm an expert, but I am a fan who kind of sat there and scratched his head. I was like, okay, how are they gonna do this? And, and you know, I know that um, the way they were setting up this movie, there was a lot of questions around, you know, like, why haven't the Eternals, you know, if the Eternals are these awesome superheroes, why haven't they interacted, you know, when Thanos was a problem, when Ultron was a problem, when all these different threats were cropping up on Earth, why didn't the Eternals step in and do anything? And they resolved that tension in the movie, and I'll try to spoil as little as possible uh, with maybe one exception. Uh, one thing that I definitely have to spoil, but I'll give you a heads up so that you're not caught off guard by that in case you haven't seen the movie. But the movie really does a great job of getting you to care about these characters, uh, at least some of the principal Eternals uh, members. It really gets you to care about these characters uh, because they're kind of plucked out of the blue. We have no previous knowledge of them in the MCU. They're not really hinted at. They're not, you know, they don't even show up in a post credit scene for us to kind of get a little bit of a taste of. So we're, we're going into this movie kind of cold and right away, this movie feels epic. It feels big and it spans centuries. So we, we see snapshots of their interactions in, in ancient, uh, in ancient Mesopotamia, in ancient Central American culture, they are, they are helping humanity evolve and they're trying to protect them as it goes along from the deviants. And they've gotten this mandate from the celestials. The celestials are creating, um, planets, uh, creating planets uh, out of, you know, out of the energy that, you know, a celestial being born provides. So the celestials have this, you know, this overarching plan of how they're going to expand the universe and the, the Eternals are a part of that plan. And you'll learn more about that in the movie. I, I really loved the casting in this movie. I mean, you have just such rock star names uh, I mean, Angelina Jolie uh, as Athena, Selma Hayek as Ajax, just fantastic casting that those ladies do just a great job at bringing some gravitas to those characters and bring some some worth to them right away. Because, again, they're they're probably not characters that 
people know really, really well if you're not a, a deep comic book reader. But then also, you get such great performances out of Gemma Chan as Cersei. I think she steals the movie. If, if After you watch the movie, you really understand that it's Cersei's movie. Cersei is the point of view character that is most front and center. And Gemma Chan does an amazing job at really... How do I say this? It, embodying the tension between what it means to be, uh, you know, a, a citizen of earth as she's, you know, become over these centuries of living amongst the people of earth and her duty as an eternal to the mandate, the celestials have given them. She really brings out that tension really, really well. And I think that, um, if you go to the eternals movie and, uh, you're looking for a great acting performance. Gemma Chan provides that as Cersei. Another great performance, Richard Madden. Now, I I have been a fan of Richard Madden since Game of Thrones, uh, which most people, you know, that's the thing that you will know him from best. And Rob Stark, him, Richard Madden is Rob Stark. I mean, Rob Stark was my guy in seasons one and two. He was my guy. And then the red wedding happened and oh my gosh, I lost my mind. I was, I was so, I was so beside myself because I loved him as Rob Stark. And when I heard that he was getting cast as Icarus, I thought, oh my goodness, if Richard Madden can't play Superman, then Icarus is probably the next best thing. So him as Icarus was just great. He was very cold and very calculated, and and that led to some really great humorous moments, uh, playing off of his his coldness and his calculated nature. But also, it made him an interesting uh, tension point with the rest of the Eternals. And, and again, if you haven't seen the movie, I will not spoil anything, but Icarus plays a very integral part in the conclusion. And I know he's been front and center with a lot of the marketing, uh, rightly so. Icarus is a is a prime uh, leader of the Eternals in most of their iterations, so it would make sense for him to be front and center. Uh, I think also, and I, I will try not to go too long on just my love of this actor and the character, but Kit Harrington is phenomenal as Dane Whitman. I'll just be honest, like, he does a lot to endear us to a character that we don't even get to see in his full blossom in this film. I mean, Kit Harrington really does the most with the least amount of screen time uh, until we get to, you know, that the thing that I am going to spoil for you at the end of, uh, at the end of this talk about the movie and the rest of the cast is just, honestly, it's, it's padded with some great, uh, actors that I didn't know beforehand and some others that I've seen in smaller roles like Brian Tyree Henry as Festus. It's fantastic. Just awesome and and i I believe don Don lee is his name uh the actor who plays gilgamesh he did such a great job um and and a lot of a lot of people have really given a lot of credit to um the the how do i say this the portrayal of makari uh has just been received so well uh, the actress who has played her, 
I believe her name is Lauren Ridloff. Um, she's she's a, a deaf actress who is signing and uh, through this whole movie, and she's just emoting so well, and she does such a great job at bringing Makari to life um, on the screen. She was just phenomenal, and the rest of the cast was was great as well. I thought they cast the Eternals very very well, and you know then. Then let's get to some spoiler stuff. The post-credit scenes. Harry Styles shows up as Star Fox, the brother of Thanos. Uh, Eros. Eros is his name. And he shows up in the mid-credit scene, I guess is what most people call it, as Star Fox. Um, and I thought, my goodness, you could not have gotten someone to play this role who looks more like the comic book character. I mean, seriously, it looks like Harry Styles walked right out of a comic book. And I know he's, he's more known for being a singer and, and an, an awesome, you know, awesome performer in that area. But I truly believe he is going to just rock this role as Star Fox. I, I'm really, really happy with the casting there. And I think, um, I think Marvel fans are going to be pleasantly surprised at what that man can bring to the role of, of again, another character that maybe not a lot of people know. So the post post credit scene was the, my favorite part of the entire movie. My favorite part of the entire movie. I am if you were going to give me a choice, you know, would you rather go see an Eternals movie or would you rather go see a Black Knight movie? I probably would have said Black Knight. I, I really love the character of Dane Whitman. I love Black Knight. And uh, I just think, you know, that character is awesome. And that's why the post credit scene was so just killer for me. I actually, as as the credits were rolling, I, I leaned over to my wife and kind of the group we were with. And I said... Before the scene had even started, I said, if Dane Whitman holds the ebony blade at the end of this movie, I will, you know, cheer and giggle and, you know, do jumping jacks and all crazy kind of stuff. I said, if that happens, it'll be the best part of the movie. So we come into the, like a study and there's a box on the table, and Kit Harrington is right there. And I see the long box. It's it's sword length. And I said, oh my gosh, it's the ebony blade. It's the ebony blade. It's the ebony blade. And I'm standing up in the theater. Everybody else is sitting down. There's a few other people in the theater. And I'm standing off to the side, and I'm just like, I'm I'm shaking with excitement because I love this character, and I love uh, this this legendary weapon that he holds as well. Then he, he opens up the case and you see the ebony blade right there sprawled out and it's wrapped, it's wrapped up and, and the blade is kind of moving, almost like the, the venom symbiote. It, it's moving and it has life to it. And Dane reaches down to touch it and you hear a voice that says, essentially, I don't think you're ready for it. And I was like, who's the voice? Who's that voice? I thought maybe that it was... Um, it was another uh, Black Knight, a version of the Black Knight, maybe Nathan Garrett, who is another uh, a Black Knight in Marvel Comics. Come to find out, it's Mahershala Ali who is going to be playing Blade. So now we know that Blade 
and the Black Knight know each other, or they are at least involved in some form of a story. So that that post credit scene blew my mind. I'm so excited to see the Black Knight return. I'm so excited to see when Blade shows up. There's so much going on in the Marvel Cinematic Universe right now. And I just, uh, I loved the movie a lot. I, it was it was fantastic. And without spoiling things uh, for you too much, I think Eternals is worth your money. It is a weighty movie. It, it It is lengthy. It's the second longest Marvel movie next to Endgame, of course. And Endgame was forever long. Uh, so I think Eternals clocks in a little bit over two and a half hours. But it's just a great thrill ride. It's a great story. Um, I, I described it to the, the friends that my wife and I went with as a love story. The Eternals is a love story. It's every different character in the Eternals lineup has a specific love story that the director, uh, Chloe Zhao, and the writers were trying to tell through them. So if you go to Eternals, um, it's it's a superhero love story, both a love for humanity, a love for each other, a love of family, a romantic love, unrequited love, which is an interesting uh, subplot in there. But I truly believe Eternals is worth your money. You should go see it. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's just a fantastic film. So we uh, hope to do more of these reviews coming up when other titles come out, such as the new Spider-Man movie that's going to be hitting, uh, hitting theaters in December, uh, more things like Doctor Strange, uh, maybe the Hawkeye series, but always bringing it back to how does this relate to Thor, how does this relate to his world, and luckily the Eternals and the Black Knight are such... Um, they, they they really show up a lot in Thor stories or in Avengers titles that Thor is also in. So those characters definitely have had their run-ins with the God of Thunder. And I just wanted to let you know what I thought about the movie and what I thought about the characters and how they relate to our favorite character, the God of Thunder. I will put some suggested readings uh, on our social media as it Uh, pertains to these characters and just you know uh, the interactions they've had with Thor if you want to give those a read I hope you enjoyed this bonus episode I hope to do more of these when they are uh, when they're appropriate and when I feel like additional content is wanted or warranted when it comes to other things that are going on in the world of Marvel Comics so friends until we see you Next time aboard the Rainbow Bridge, I remind you, please stay worthy.